Welcome in to Locked on Knicks, and it is trade deadline day. Yes, we have finally made it, and Gavin, I think it's time to get into our final roundup of rumors before the Knicks either completely change or don't change at all by this afternoon. Wow, so many possibilities, Alex. Uh, Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, do the Knicks give up on their prize offseason acquisitions, and what would doing so say about their front office? Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, Alec Burks, any of the key pieces of last season's miraculous Knicks team, could they potentially get dealt? And finally, we go into some names we were hearing around the New York Knicks, guys like Jalen Brunson, Mo Bamba, and a couple more. So all that and much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. And whether you listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform or perhaps on YouTube, where we, we can't stop thanking you guys enough. We just crossed over a thousand subscribers on YouTube. That's like a really big deal. And we're we're very proud and very happy for that. I'm very thankful for you guys. So if you Check us out on YouTube. Maybe do it right now if you want to. You know, you could see our, our nice faces today. I'm wearing a cool Japanese Knicks hoodie. I don't know. You know, I mean, I like to wear fun things. So you could check out, you know, the, our outfits of the day or whatever. But right now, the big thing, Gavin, is that there are some uh, things swirling around that were going around today as far as the Knicks were concerned. Some Somewhat big moves have been made already with two teams that the Knicks were kind of rumored to be interested in dealing with in the Kings and the Blazers. Uh, so those teams are seeming less likely to be potential uh, Knicks deals struck here at this point. But there's two guys on the Knicks that they just signed recently in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, whose names are coming up quite a bit. So what's the latest scuttlebutt on those two guys right now? Oh, man, there's so much. Let, let's just go uh, uh, source by source. Mark Berman, recent guest uh, of, of the Locked on Knicks podcast, noted bus driver, um, said the Knicks have made the entire roster available with point guard Kemba Walker, the likeliest candidate to be traded. Um, but Fournier and his $78 million contract could also be on the move. And that, that seems to be a consensus in, in just about all the reporting we've gotten is that Kemba is the guy that the Knicks – absolutely um, are, are pretty much set on getting rid of. Um, Fred Katz noted, though, on Fournier um, that the Knicks are are open to dealing him, but despite his recent hot stretch, he's unlikely to bring back anything of positive value, so it's likely sort of be a neutral asset trade where the Knicks take back a similar contract or, or at least a similar one-year value of contract without getting anything significant in terms of picks or anything else. But, Alex, what do you think um, the idea 
of trading one or both of these guys says about the Knicks front office. Is it a failure that uh, they're, they're sort of their first big swings in free agency uh, didn't work out and didn't work out very rapidly? Or is it indicative of a front office that can admit when they make a mistake and pivot, which is, is ultimately what you're supposed to do when you realize you've made a mistake? Yeah, I think I fall somewhere sort of in the middle. You know, it, it seems like there was definitely, based off reporting, you know, Berman has actually been saying this for a while now, that there was a disconnect between the front office and Tibbs as far as getting Kemba Walker, that Tibbs was never really on board with it, didn't like Kemba's game, et cetera, et cetera. If it hasn't been obvious enough this season based off how little the Knicks run, you know, to really get Kemba going and stuff, I think there's definitely something to that. Uh, which sort of leads into there's there's been some reporting that there's maybe a little bit of uh, too many cooks in the kitchen going on here at this point. Um, Berman actually had a quote in his his article that said word around the league since preseason has been the Knicks brass is not on the same page. There are too many cooks in the kitchen. That exact phrase. That's where I stole it from with Rose, William, Wesley, Scott Perry and Thibodeau. And then uh, Ian Begley had something similar in one of his uh, articles recently as well, where he said there's been perception among some teams that Thibodeau and the Knicks decision makers like team president Leon Rose and top executive William Wesley aren't aligned. Uh, In particular, this was talking about the reddish trade, but you know, it seems like there's some talk about that. There was also, I mean, of course there was that sort of talk dating all the way back to the first draft of this regime and the first free agency with, uh, Tibbs apparently calling Brock Aller a nerd all the time and calling him Hinky uh, for being too much like uh, like Sam Hinky and the the trust the process Sixers. So you know it there being strife in here is not unusual. I guess I guess just like last season it was more like cute because the Knicks were good. And you go oh look at that they're disagreeing but they're coming to the right decisions. And now you look at it and you say oh are they are they not all aligned? What's going on? They just hired Gerson Rosas as well. As a, as a consultant who was the guy who fired Tibbs in Minnesota uh, and also, you know, has his own list of, of things that he was responsible with that team, good and bad. So, you know, there's a lot going on with the Knicks front office right now. I think my general answer, though, is the, as long as the cost is not too high to move off of these guys, Kemba and Fournier, like let's say that the Knicks managed to get rid of both of them and they bring back basically nobody of worth, maybe just some expiring money or something. And they had to part with, say, a second round pick to get rid of Kemba and two second round picks to get rid of Fournier or something like that, if they can get out of it without a first. I don't look at that as a failure. And I know some people might say, oh, well, they just signed those contracts. I can't believe they now have to pay to get off them. But the reality is, is that three second round picks, guess what? They got three second round picks just from moving Ed Davis from one team to another. And those are the sort of smart little moves that this team has made. And I think that you make those smart little moves so that then you have some insurance for if you have to correct your own mistakes later. And it's all just about trying to turn everything into more or less a zero-sum game, you know, in many cases. So if, you know, if they spend a few seconds to get rid of those two guys, but ultimately come out saying, you know what, okay, we, we spent a couple seconds to get rid of them, but we've now cleared that money from the books. It's like it never happened. And guess what? All we had to do for that was move Ed Davis from Utah to Minnesota over the course of like three days, a year and a half ago. And that gave us a get out of jail free card to get out of Kemba and Evan Fournier's contracts and correct this mistake that we made this off season. Um, 
I think that moving off Kemba is way more important than moving off Fournier. I think Fournier actually is showing recently that he does he can add some value, but not enough to resuscitate his value yet. So considering the length of his contract and everything, I think it would be wise to maybe hold on to him a little longer. But if they certainly if they do this to get off of Kemba, I won't look at it as a failure, quite frankly, just because of the fact that they did the work prior to this to make sure that they would have this out if they needed it is basically where I'm at, I think. Yeah, I think it's – I'm with you in that there are multiple ways to look at it. Because, look, obviously, like, to some extent, it would be hypocritical for us to call um, the process a failure because we were both so on board with both of those offseason signings. Like, I, I was as into both of them. And, and you want to you wanna, uh, have the benefit of hindsight, you could say, all right, maybe they should have given a little bit more credence to the fact that Kemba, like, seemingly couldn't play more than 10 games in a row at a high level at the end of his Celtics tenure. And that Fournier uh, never really had to succeed in an offense that wasn't built around him while having some fairly significant defensive struggles in Orlando. Maybe they should have given more weight to both those things. Um, to me, again, I think the the idea was sound to add more shot creation, uh, to add just more shooting um, around Julius Randle and RJ Barrett made a whole lot of sense. And the fact that it hasn't worked out, I mean, to your point, like, Kemba for the amount of money that they signed him for was ultimately like a pretty low risk proposition, given that he is like a good teammate. And when he did get benched, like he, he handled it incredibly well. Um, and the Knicks uh, were going into the season thinking they were going to have Derek Rose for the whole year or, or at least most of the year. And, and Emmanuel quickly, that wasn't going to regress. I think those were fair predictions. So Kemba, no issues with it. And again, Fournier just, just seemed like a very obvious fit around Julius Randle. And, and now that Fournier is shooting a little bit better, we're seeing that vision and it, it does work pretty well, at least on the offensive end with those two guys. Where I take more of an issue with it is the opportunity cost, right? What were the moves that they didn't make because they got those two guys? And, and you just have to look at the Chicago Bulls offseason basically for like for the what if here for the New York Knicks. Uh, it could have been Alex Caruso or Lonzo Ball at the point guard position. Obviously, Caruso is a full-time point guard. Doesn't really solve the next shot creation issue, but would have made them a lot better defensively and, and playing off of someone like Rose if he was hypothetically healthy. Uh, that would have been really interesting. Lonzo, oh, you and I, huge fans of him. Uh, would have been amazing if the Knicks had given up the assets necessary to go get him instead of going after Kemba Walker. And in retrospect, would have been worth it to pony up the extra, I don't know, what is it, like $8 million a year for DeMar DeRozan uh, over Evan Fournier because DeRozan is just a, an infinitely better player. And I think we're, we're talking about a vastly different Knicks season if they find a way to go get DeMar DeRozan. Who knows if those moves were possible? Maybe Chicago just beat the Knicks to them and, and Fournier and Walker were both backup plans. But it is interesting to look back now that these two guys are maybe on the precipice of leaving and say, all right, even if it didn't kill the Knicks, was there a world where things could have just been so much better? And in that sense, it did kind of kill the Knicks. Yeah, I feel that, you know, and it's, it, you just kind of hope that, you know, that learning experience is really what it is for the for the team and that they don't make those same mistakes again if they go ahead and, and correct them this time around. Just because, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for a little bit of humility in professional sports where things are often, I mean, it, I was going to say things are often blown a little out of proportion serious-wise. Obviously, for a guy like Leon Rose, who's in charge of one of the most valuable teams in the world, quite frankly, you know, it's it, it, it is a pretty good amount of responsibility. And, you know, you're working for a guy in James Dolan who has a notoriously uh, short attention span. What? James? Yeah. That doesn't sound like him. Come oh, on. Old, he's a good Jimmy. guy. I mean, he's what? the most chill guy I've ever seen. He's a blues singer for he's, just, he's a musical life. soul. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, so I, I don't even know where I was getting with that. At, at any <laughs> rate, you know, 
I just think, you know, at, at this point, I, I hope that they're willing to kind of learn from their mistakes and that they actually do learn from them rather than making the same mistakes over because that, that would start to worry me. If then the Knicks, you know, turn around, paid to get off these guys. Okay, you did it basically for free, cool. But then turn around and, and make the same mistakes, sign guys that don't work out again, and then are looking to offload them a year later too. Then you start to think, okay, you know, I think uh, I think maybe something's worth looking at here. Um, but speaking of things that are worth looking at, we are going to take a look at some of the Knicks players that could be on the block here and could be available. We've been talking about that for weeks, but we're going to look at some of the final reporting going on before the trade deadline here in just a second. But Gavin, do you want to remind everybody about Bet Online, where they can, I don't know if there's any trade deadline props, but if there are, Bet Online would be the place to find them. Uh, no, nothing I want more in the world, Alex. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple of weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcasts and news this season it's not just football bet online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops nhl boxing ufc along with live real-time updates of current games so don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season bet online where the game starts and we wanted to uh remind you guys because today's the big day uh the nba trade deadline is right now and the locked on nba podcast will be covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m later today so you can join kim becker john corrales and locked on fantasy basketball host josh lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move subscribe to locked on nba on youtube and turn on your notifications so you know when they go live and alex and i uh, if any of the names we're talking about uh get dealt we will be on to cover that so tune in uh, Alex, where, where do you want to go next on, on the long list of potential Knicks that could be dealt today? Uh, let's just start with the, the one that we've been talking about the most, you know, Alec Burks and Ian Begley reported earlier today, which is to say Wednesday when we're recording this, that Burks was among the players being discussed in trades. Um, Begley said, for those wondering whether the Utah Jazz may be a fit for Burks in the wake of Joe Ingles injury, it's worth noting that teams in touch with Utah believe they're looking to shed salary to avoid the tax. So the club may not be open to adding Burks' salary. That said, they did move off of Jingles after that and picked up uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker from uh, the Blazers via the Pelicans who just traded him there recently. Um, that said, there is still a chance that they can move under a tax line. Gavin, our, our boss, David Locke, wrongfully assumed that you were the nerd in our relationship here. As it turns out, I'm actually the nerd as far as the salary cap goes. So I did look this up. Uh, he sort of put me on the spot the other day, and I was just able to get basic info without the the more in-depth stuff. But I'm not positive if the Jazz are a repeater in the luxury tax or not. I did look that up since the other day, which means that you've been in the luxury tax in three of the most four recent seasons. I'm going to assume that they have not been. Uh, or that they're not in the repeater tax as of right now. So just for something to consider, and I know that Jordan Clarkson like just won six man of the year like last year. And so obviously, you know, he's they probably view him as still a pretty pretty good part of their team. That said, with the familiarity with Burks and everything else, there is possibly a world right now the luxury tax line is at 136. 136 million, I should say. Uh, the Jazz, uh, short of completely trying to semi blow up a team that had actual, you know, contending aspirations, 
are not going to get fully below the luxury tax. So that's not going to happen at all. But they could get themselves to a, a much lower tax bracket if they would make a move like, say, Jordan Clarkson and Filler. Clarkson's making about $15 million or $14.5 or something for Alec Burks, who's making like $9 million. Um, that could get them into a lower tax bracket just for a little bit of math. Uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll let this one go because it's probably not going to happen, but it's just worth considering. Like, these are things we don't think about as Knicks fans that often with Dolan, who just spends money hand over fist. And we never hear the word luxury tax come up in regard to the Knicks. But, uh, for example, if they were able to move down from a their luxury tax bracket where they currently are, which is from 10 to 15 million over the tax level and down to, between five and ten over the tax level, that would take them from two fifty per dollar, two dollars and fifty cents per dollar that they have to pay over, to a dollar seventy five per dollar over that they have to pay. That would make their luxury tax bill, if they brought it from around like twelve million that it is now down to like eight ish million, it would take it from almost thirty million dollars down to around fifteen million dollars. So there's a chance that by shedding like $5 million going from a guy like Clarkson to a guy like Burks, which maybe then the Knicks even reroute Clarkson, that the Jazz could then put themselves in a bracket where they would potentially save themselves not just that salary, but also another $15 million in luxury tax, which is a thing that doesn't matter to small market teams. So I just thought I'd throw that out there as a potential Burks deal. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, just, just from an encore perspective, the idea of trading Burks is fascinating because obviously it would open up some time for one Cam Reddish, uh, who the Knicks presumably want to get a look at. And Burks has, has not been the same guy he was earlier in the season where he was amongst the top uh, four or five in the NBA in three-point percentage. I think at one point he was leading the league in three-point percentage. Uh, we've noted it a number of times, but for a for anyone in the league, I was going to say for a perimeter player, for any player in the league, he is is in the bottom rung of efficiency at finishing at the basket. All that being said, I think with Derek Rose's inevitable return, uh, Burks would, would be a lot more useful on the Knicks. But again, he's a guy who's a lot more useful to a myriad of contenders. The Knicks can get uh, a positive second round pick for him. Um, or maybe again, given that Cam Reddish bought just some salary relief, I think it would be worth looking into moving him because you can, you, you I mean, it's sort of the story of his whole career. Like he's, he's a good player. He's a useful player. Um, but does he change your life? Uh, only in a very specific circumstance. I don't think the Knicks are in that circumstance as of now. Uh, but Alex, we also, we also want to touch on a couple of other names. Uh, Julius Randall, uh, seemingly not particularly likely to get dealt, right? The, the, the big rumor deal we've been hearing over the last few days and, and, and weeks was a swap of Julius Randall for De'Aaron Fox. Uh, the Sacramento Kings made a different version of that trade, uh, dealing Tyrese Halliburton to Indiana for DeMontis Sabonis. So that is off the table. Um, the Knicks, if they really wanted to, I, I bet could get Harrison Barnes and, and a pick, as we discussed with Matt George of Locked on Kings. But I would expect at this point, given that Julius is coming off uh, like his, his best three-game stretch of the season and it's not particularly close, I think the Knicks would prefer, um, and this is something that Fred Katz noted in his story, to re rehabilitate Julius's Randall. Uh, to re rehabilitate Julius's Randall. Oh God, I haven't slept a lot. Uh, to rehabilitate Julius's value, um, and then uh, deal him down the road once his Randall's in a better place. Yeah, <laughs> Julius's Randall, notwithstanding. <laughs> um, yeah, I. <laughs> 
How funny would it be, though, if the Kings were still interested and made that deal and then Randall and Sabonis had to play together after like oh, hating God. each other's guts <laughs> secretly for the last two years yeah. on the court against each other? That would be a pretty interesting pairing to see. That team would also never let up less than like 120 points uh, on defense ever. Um, yeah, I, I'm starting to think it's less likely that the Knicks are going to trade Randall because it almost, to me, seems like there had to have been some sort of private discussion basically being like, or at least something maybe told to Julius's agent or anything, you know, there had to have been something just that sort of got to Julius basically saying like, if you keep playing like this, we're going to trade you. Like, you know, you really need to step it up here, man. Like you're really not, we don't know what's going on, but like, you got to really like, if you want to stay on this team and you want to stay with the Knicks, like you got to start giving us some more. And he has been giving them some more. He's really been playing a lot better lately. I think even if they do want to trade him, it would probably be best, like you said, and like Fred noted in his story, that the Knicks sort of just let him re- rehabilitate his, his Randall uh, over the rest of the season and uh, get his value back up uh, to potentially trade during the offseason, even if that is still their plan. Uh, there was also the note from Fred on Mitchell Robinson, where Fred said his contract situation makes it like makes him the most likely young Nick to be on the move but that the Knicks will probably hold on to him. I don't have too much to comment on that. I, The Detroit Pistons are coming up as a team that's sort of interested in Mitch, but they would probably just make a run at him in free agency rather than trading anything of value for him now. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, I'm being sold on just keeping Mitch at this point. So I would be a little disappointed if Mitch finally started coming through on his potential and then, and then the Knicks just dealt him. Um, but unless you have anything to add on that, Gavin, I figure we could get into the sort of intriguing uh, Cam Reddish news real quick. Most of which came from me and Begley today. Now let's let's talk Cam Reddish. I, I don't. We'll, we'll discuss a name at the center position that if the Knicks were to target that guy, uh, would necessitate them trading one of Mitchell Robinson or Nerlens Noel. But we we can say that for the next segment. Let's let, let's talk Reddish a little. Yeah. So for Cam Reddish, uh, Ian Begley notes. Uh, that the Knicks are expected to continue to look for a trade to create room in the rotation for Cam Reddish. Uh, noted, you know, he's he hasn't played much uh, so far, and uh, other people have been saying it's a little curious that the Knicks have not been playing him. Uh, Mark Berman certainly has had a lot to say in that regard as far as Cam's status there. But then Ian noted later in the day, I think on a TV segment, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he said that, in discussions between the Knicks and at least one team, Cam Reddish's name has been discussed. And it's unclear whether the Knicks offered Reddish in talks or if teams asked about him, but the Knicks hadn't immediately shut down the conversation. So the interesting thing there is that Reddish can't be traded in conjunction with any other players, at least not. It, you could do sort of a non-simultaneous deal where, say, if you could find a matching salary for Cam Reddish, you could trade him in like a separate deal as part of a bigger deal where you just sort of make two deals, but just call it one at the end uh, to sort of make your own little loophole. Um, but since Reddish was acquired by himself in trade, um, he is, and you know, not in aggregation with anybody he's, or actually, I guess he was acquired technically in aggregation with Solomon Hill, but like it, because of the way that he came over, he can be traded out, but just can't be combined with anybody else in a trade more or less. So, I don't know. I'm a little intrigued by this, Gavin. What do you think about the pot? Like, I don't think the Knicks are going to move him, but that one would definitely more so than anything, more so than if they moved Randall, if they moved like anybody short of like RJ Barrett, 
like moving Cam Reddish after just acquiring him for the first first round pick you've traded in like seven years and then immediately shipping him back out unless the return was somehow greater than that first round pick you spent on him would be a little weird to me. Yeah, that would I mean, I, I'll, I'll go a little further. That would be a, a horrific look for the New York Knicks, obviously. Um, if, if, if you trade for him, you're like, well, this guy, uh, not, not, what we, not what we expect. He really likes to take long pull-up twos, and he, he doesn't make a lot of them. Who knew? Um, but no, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's possible that teams have asked, and, and I bet the Knicks have said, yeah, sure, if you want to give us a top 10 pick, we'll, we'll give you Cam Reddish. And teams very quickly said, no, thanks, we're good. And, and that was the extent of those discussions. I think it was probably an interesting note that Begley got that he thought was worth passing along, but I would, I would be stunned if that happened. Yeah, I would too. It would be uh, that would definitely be the eyebrow raiser of the trade deadline. But speaking of eyebrow raisers, we do have some more names to get into. Sort of the the buyers segment of the this episode of Locked On Knicks, where we talk about some guys that the Knicks might be interested in in bringing in uh, more so than guys that they're just interested in shipping out. But first, I just want to let everybody know this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you want to endure all that pointless or intimidating questioning about your car's you know, trim package and all the finer details of the car and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only their brands that their warehouse happens to carry, and particularly the ones that are going to make them the biggest commissions. You guys have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, why would you want to choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or, God forbid, a car dealership? You don't want to go to a car dealership. Rock Auto is also a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you know they're going to take care of you and make sure that you get the parts you need and want to come back and do more business with them. Rock Auto's prices are also reliably low for every customer, not just for mechanics. You're going to get the same rate that anybody ordering off rockauto.com gets which is, of course, the lowest rate possible. So if you want to get some auto parts for yourself, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you rate Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you if you decide to order a part for yourself. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we are back, getting into this final segment of Locked On Nick's Gavin. I will toss it to you, buddy, to pick who we talk about first. We've got a few names in mind that we're hearing, you know, through various reports that the Knicks might be interested in. I know there's one you're kind of excited to get into because it's an interesting name that we haven't really heard yet. So I'll I'll throw it to you as far as which one you want to get into first. Yeah, there's there's a pretty good song about him. Uh, Mo Bamba. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, the report from uh, Jacob, uh, not sure on the pronunciation, Fish, Fishbian. Um, he's a Knicks writer for Hoops Hype, so uh, no, no, no shots at Jacob. I'm sure, sure he's very credible, but uh, not, not really a Mark Stein or an Adrian Wojnarowski. So, so take the report for what it's worth, but the name was fascinating enough that I wanted to discuss it. Um, I mean, the way he phrased it is, the Knicks are expected to contact Orlando about center Mo Bamba. So obviously that would, that would indicate that one of Nerland's Noel or Mitchell Robinson would be on the trading block and... I'd be fascinated to see which of those two that is. Mitch is, is eminently more tradable. Uh, we've already heard reports that the Detroit Pistons are interested in Mitch. Uh, Nerlens, I, I think given like all the injuries and the way he's played this year, even though he's someone who has the profile of, of a player who's extremely valuable on a contender, I think because of the contract that the Knicks gave him, it'll be a little bit 
more difficult for the Knicks to move off Nerlens unless the Knicks are willing to take a similar leak if he contract or maybe attach an asset to him and maybe the right team says, you know what, we'll bite the bullet. We could use help protecting the rim and we think Nerlens will be healthy by the time the postseason comes around. But excluding the difficulty of that, I think Mobamba would be a fun fit on the Knicks given that he can space the floor a little bit around Julius Randle, is shooting 34% from three this year on just under four attempts per game, which is not fantastic, but it's a number where you can credibly park a guy out on the perimeter. And if you're an opposing center, uh, maybe you don't have to hound him like he's Steph Curry, but you have to at least be in the vicinity. Um, and on the other end of the floor, he can protect the rim. So he's actually playable at the center spot because if he couldn't protect the rim, Tibbs would not play him there, but he's averaging just under three blocks per game for 36 minutes this year. That is actually a career low. His first two seasons, he was over three blocks per game for 36 minutes. So I think on both ends, a pretty good fit. And I think, uh, the Knicks front office, if not Tibbs is finally realizing the wisdom of, Hey, it would help to have four high level shooters around Julius Randall. And as good as Randall is playing right now. You insert a center with a credible three-point shot there. I think we could see, if nothing else, a, a more efficient coded to this season and maybe a, a more efficient Randall for all of next season, uh, given that extra spacing. Yeah, I, I like the idea of going after Bamba. It sort of feels like a like a, a like a, a light version of going after Miles Turner, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't have to give up nearly as much. He's still young. You know, he's definitely he's improved. I think every single year of his career. You know, he averaged around 15, 16 minutes a game for his first three years of his career. This year, 26 minutes, and he started 43 out of 45 games after previously only starting as many as five games. So, I mean, he's he's definitely made improvements, you know, averaging double-digit points, eight rebounds in 26 minutes. That's a really solid number, just like Mitch. I think from the limited amount that I've seen Bamba, which most of it was like in the games against the Knicks this year, you know, he's he's gotten pretty well filled out for a guy that was really, really skinny when he first came into the NBA. Like, I think that he's done a good job of building out his body. Obviously now can get those rebounds when he needs to. The three-point shooting, you know, I, I think is credible. Like you said, it's, you know, he's not. But, you know, if you think about it, a lot of the quote-unquote like sharpshooting big men in the league, even like Miles Turner or Kristaps Porzingis or, you know, guys like that, they only shoot about 34 35%. So he's kind of right in line with that number where he's good enough to be a, a threat, but not so good that you're, you know, having to like completely abandon everything to go and hound him at the line. But, you know, it's, I think that he's good enough to burn some teams and, and have a Miles Turner type night, like what Turner get, did against the Knicks earlier this year, potentially. I would say that my main thing that kind of worries me with him, though, is his overall field goal percentage isn't fantastic. So, you know, I, I think that that's sort of the thing where I'm just like, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily want to like replace. Mitch with him. Granted, he does shoot 74% at the rim, according to basketball reference, which is great. Uh, but it seems like he also, maybe he's not in love with it, but he's taking enough uh, shots from from mid-range that it's dragged his overall field goal percentage down to 47%. Now, you could say also like, yeah, but he's taking 166 attempts from uh, three-point range, so that's, you know, that's going to drag that overall percentage down. But his overall two-point percentage is like 56.7%, which is good in general, but not great for a big where you want to hopefully be seeing that he's focusing more on just kind of like around the rim and three point line, if he's going to be like a stretch big. So hopefully it would sort of eliminate some of those mid range shots that he's, he's really inefficient with from his repertoire. But you know, sometimes you just have to take those sort of shots to keep teams honest too. But I like him as a potential buy low. I would love if the Knicks could somehow move Nerlens in some deal and then get Bomba in another deal and have, 
both Mitch and Bamba available. So you can have that rim protection no matter what, but have a little variance as far as like dominant lob man versus guy who can stretch the floor a bit. I think that would be a really useful combo uh, for the Knicks to have. And maybe even try some like wild twin towers type crap, like, and just throw them both out there and just see what happens when you put like enough wingspan to cover a city bus on the court at one time. Uh, yeah, well, Alex, just just very quickly. I mean, think about uh, what a boon Bamba would be for Obi Toppin, not just Julius yeah. Randle. I mean, I mean, let's let's Obi operate as like the roller, like the the mm-hmm. nominal like quote unquote center on offense. Yeah, and lets him take take more on the inside, which is where Obi's at his best. So, I would totally be down for for Bamba potentially if uh, if he was in the cards. But I'll bring up another name that we've heard a bunch, um, which we've you know done some. Uh, some other shows on him. We talked to Lauren Gunn recently, obviously we've got asked about this in a mailbag uh, recently, but uh, Ian Begley, once again, he's, he's crushing it right now uh, reports that one team earlier this week was under the impression that the Dallas Mavericks wouldn't trade Jalen Brunson unless the offer for him was quote significant. Uh, I don't know if we need to comment too much more on that, but I did just want to kind of note that because that's a guy that the Knicks obviously have some interest in. Thanks to uh, the family ties there between Leon Rose and Rick Brunson, his dad. Um, but, you know, I, I think that we probably should steal ourselves up for the Knicks not walking away from the trade deadline with Jalen Brunson. Then I'll show I'll throw one more name out there uh, after the aforementioned uh, Sabonis deal went down with the Kings. Mark Berman had a story, as did a bunch of people that, you know, obviously the Kings and Knicks were in some discussions and, you know, Randall for Fox came up, blah, blah, blah. But uh, also noted the Knicks, however, have also asked the Kings about the availability of veteran combo forward Harrison Barnes as the trade deadline approaches. A guy that we sort of gave our case for the other day, again, with the, you know, when we did our our Kings trade pods. So that's another one people could go back and look for if they want. Uh, I would be intrigued by him if it's not for a high cost, you know, but I do get the feeling that the Kings, with the way that they're operating right now, would want some talent in return. I don't know who that might be, but. I'd be intrigued to see. I don't think it's going to be Randall at this point. Maybe if they, you know, value a guy like Burks and Noel or something and want to trade them for Barnes. I don't even know if that's something I'd be totally down for, but it's just another name to keep an eye on, I guess, going into the deadline here. Yeah. Um, I mean, on, on Brunson, I, I'd be shocked. I think, I think Dallas like fancies themselves as, as dark horse uh, title contenders this year. And I, uh, they're not going to make a move that makes them worse. And, and the Knicks are trading Dallas anyone better than Jalen Brunson to get Jalen Brunson. So I think that's like pretty, pretty closed and shut. And the off season will be the time to strike there. Uh, Barnes, I would be, I don't know. I kind of think Sacramento just wants to see what this team looks like with, with Sabotis, with Fox and, and the whole appeal of Harrison Barnes is you insert him into any kind of lineup and he is a plus asset um, so I think he will, he will stay there to space the floor for those two. And, and given that neither of those two stars now are real shooters, um, I'd be surprised if Barnes wasn't on the Kings kind of long-term because that's, that's kind of the exact piece you need around those two guys. Yeah. Barnes also just went off for 28 tonight in, uh, or is currently going off for 28 in uh, the Kings first game with Sabonis out there. So clearly he's enjoying Sabonis' presence. He's four for five from three right now, eight of 11 shooting for 28 points down the stretch where the Kings are leading by nine. So uh, I guess they're, they're probably going to like how that's looking going into the deadline tomorrow and not be super, super interested in moving on from Barnes right now. Uh, Gavin, I think now's the time to make our, our predictions. 
Of course, we say this now. We're recording this at night before the deadline day. Something might come out in the morning that makes us totally change our our uh, you know minds as far as a rumor goes. But as of right now, at 12.20 a.m., technically speaking on deadline day, if you were going to make your prediction as to what you think the Knicks do today, what would you say it is? I'm, I'm going to go pretty boring. I think Kemba Walker gets dealt to uh, some pseudo contender uh, for a similarly valued expiring contract that the Knicks will either uh, buy out or bury on the bench. And the Knicks have to attach a second round pick to Kemba to do it, um, which I, I think is a surprise. It just doesn't seem like there's much of a market for him right now. Uh, I don't think Evan Fournier gets dealt. I think it's too much money. And I, I think the Knicks won't want to go like full mulligan there, given that he's playing pretty well right now, shooting it exceptionally well. And and, and the idea of of having to attach an asset to Evan or, or getting someone of like essentially no value back, I think is, is going to be pretty unpalatable uh, just from a, a PR perspective for this team. And then Alec Burks, we, we heard reports this was going back like two, three weeks ago that the Knicks weren't interested in trading Burks just for the sake of trading Burks. Right? They're, they're going to trade Burks if they can pick up something real. They have a million second round picks. They don't need another second round pick. I, I think Burks stays. And I think uh, Kemba is the, is the trade that opens up the rotation spot that gets Cam Reddish some minutes. Interesting. I am going to say I'm with you on the, uh, the whole Kemba getting traded thing. So I, my prediction, there's been a little bit of smoke about this. I'm going to I'm gonna guess that there's fire. I feel like this would be one of the only teams that would really be like calling the Knicks interested in Kemba in part because they're maybe still a little salty about losing him previously and would be like, oh. you know you want to come back here. Uh, the Hornets, I think, will go after him. I, I'm going to put the disclaimer. This is like when someone talks about stocks and goes, this is not financial advice. This is not sourced info. Uh, I'm just I'm just totally spitballing here, but I, there was a spat between Booknight and Borrego the other day. Uh, James Booknight and uh, uh, James Borrego, the the coach of the Hornets, and his first year is not going super well there. Um, I don't know exactly where he fits in to the equation there, so. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say the Knicks managed to pull off a Kemba for book night swap, despite the draft capital that the the Hornets just used on him. But the Knicks will include some second round picks to grease the wheels of that deal. Or, and, or the Knicks mm-hmm. include Cam Reddish in that deal. Or maybe include Cam Reddish in sort of a side deal to make that happen as well. I guess that's possible. And, you know, I wouldn't hate that because I really liked book night coming out of the draft and he's a local kid. He went to UConn. So something worth looking at, but, that's probably not going to happen, but I don't know. Maybe that's just like me being super optimistic. But no, I, I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I think Burks is going somewhere. I don't know where. I think no matter where he goes, the Knicks will get criticized for not getting enough value out of him and and be criticized for sitting on their hands for too long, um, which maybe will be partly true, but also it's just kind of like it takes two to tango. If Burks is just sort of a lot of teams' last resort, then, of course, they're not going to make a deal until the last minute. And, you know, Burks is going to go somewhere and the Knicks probably aren't going to get the maximum amount that they possibly could have gotten for him. But I think they'll probably recoup some seconds that they'll spend in part to get off of Kemba. Um, And then, yeah, I don't think Fournier is going anywhere. I don't think at this point Randall's going anywhere. I don't think Mitch is going anywhere. I don't think any of the young guys are going anywhere. Uh, I I think that's going to be it. I think it's basically just going to be Burks and and Kemba at this point. And, And that'll be the extent. Maybe actually... 
I have one more dark horse, which is sure. potentially Nerlens Noel going somewhere. Yeah, to me, he's he's the most interesting name that could be traded realistically. Because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like there's all those other guys. Like there's been reports that the center market is really barren this year, and that like I forget who had this like money quote the other day, like which reporter, but someone said basically like every team in the NBA basically is looking for a center right now. Like yeah. so, the the center market is robust, and you might see some centers moving. Noel obviously hasn't had his best year so far thanks to injuries and stuff, but he had a great year last year. And like he's on honestly not a bad contract for a couple years for like a backup or maybe starting rim protector. So I think maybe he goes somewhere for like a couple second round picks or something. Um, or maybe some like intriguing flyer of a young player that the, the Knicks can bury on the bench for most of the year and then, you know, try out down the final 15 games of the season or something once all is officially lost. But I think that's where I'm at for that. Anyway, I think now that we've made our predictions, we can go to bed for now and then wake up tomorrow and have more to talk about uh, as we lead up to the trade deadline. And we'll, of course, be here. If, if there are any big trades by the Knicks, we'll be here to react to them right away. We'll also be on the NBA trade deadline show uh, on Locked on NBA if anything happens. So keep your ears out for that. Uh, if you see anything go down with the Knicks, tune into that on YouTube or uh, I think it's actually only going to be going live on YouTube. So tune into YouTube for uh, the Locked On NBA trade deadline show. If anything happens with the Knicks, if you want to hear our immediate take, and then we'll, of course, have pods and our own YouTube stuff for it afterwards. Uh, but thank you all for listening. We'll You'll surely be hearing from us at least one more time in the next 24 hours when we recap the Knicks game against the Warriors, but probably at least two, twice more in the next 24 hours. So we'll be in your ears again soon. Thanks for listening for now, though. Talk to you all soon. Peace out, guys.